This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside, folks? We're going to be talking about gardening for the next hour right here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm your host, horticulturist Felder Rushing, my awesome producer, Java Chapman, and all the other great folks at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We're going to open up this. I know it's a weird day. It was 70 degrees yesterday. It's going to be freezing tonight, but let's open these windows up. Let's air it out. Let's talk about gardening for the next hour. Uh, here at MPB, if you want to call in chat about what's going on or not in your garden this is a great time welcome to the new year new garden year we're going to be talking about it here on mpb so far we've been surviving man it has been weird well it's, you know the whole world is weird our whole country's weird everything is weird but gardening has been eh, hasn't been weird it's just been severe and uh, i've been feeling uh feeling a lot of emails a lot of calls uh, a lot of stuff on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook page, uh, people saying, here's what's going on in my garden, what should I do? But also a whole lot of hopeful stuff. People are posting pictures of early daffodils and flowering quince and, and, uh, and, and hyacinths and things that are perking up. So, you know, it was a bad, bad hit last month. And I've got plenty of stuff to share about uh, what you, you could be doing, what you should be doing, what you really ought not be doing. But in general, it's just gardening. We took a bad hit. Some plants got damaged. Some got killed. Some will be fine. Some won't. But all we do is, as gardeners, we just pick up and we say it's a new year, new garden year. We're going to take it from there. So anybody who wants to call and, and uh, shout with us, I'd also like to hear some celebration. A little celebrating here, man. Yeah, to celebrate um, the Gestalt Gardener reaching 300,000 downloads uh, of our podcast. And for oh, us man. to be a live uh, show each and every week with a rebroadcast on Saturday mornings, I think that's a great number of people who tune in on our podcast. And, you know, we just got to celebrate that this morning. I, th- I think our marketing gal, Angela, I think she said it was the, the most downloaded Mississippi-produced podcast. So, Wow. Yeah, no, that's a yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, you know, we do a lot of for an hour, for an hour long thing. I mean, you know, we're not we're not talking about a thirty second TikTok thing here. You know, it's easy to get a million and a half hits on something that's only forty five seconds. Got weird stuff, but an hour long gardening program, woohoo! We thank and and Java. You know, it ain't just me, man. It's you and all those folks at MPB putting it all together. Yeah, it's a big team effort. So we want to send a big thank you to everyone who subscribes to the podcast, downloads the podcast, listen to the show, it calls in, um, which are coming in now. Um, I'll let you, I'll text you, Felder, and let you know when when they get hooked up. But people who email, all of just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. You bet, man. And uh, and folks, I, again, I know there's a lot of weird stuff going on. I had a uh, and and what's really weird, it was 70 in Jackson yesterday, and it's going to get down to like 27 tonight you know that is that's 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 the weird part about mississippi uh, i am still uh in england broadcasting live from lancashire the misty moors of northeastern uh, northwestern england uh, pretty close to liverpool if you're not sure where lancashire is there's lancashire and there's yorkshire and they they're the two biggest counties that cross the top part of england and uh, i can literally from the hillside outside my village got a little observation tower built uh, back in the 1800s. Go to the top of that, I could see Scotland, I could see Wales, I could see the Isle of Man, I could see Northern Ireland. 
and uh, the Irish Sea and all like that. So I'm out on the western part, up north of Liverpool a little ways. So in, anyway, the point I'm trying to make is uh, when I was walking to the pie shop today, because I always celebrate Fridays by going to get a, a little chicken, a little meat and potato pie, a little handheld chicken pot pies basically uh, at the local pie shop, um, I noticed there's some rosemary that looks fantastic, and they got we got the same low temperature here in Lancashire last month that you got in Mississippi, the same temperature. Why is the rosemary looking great here? And it just completely browned out, just totally browned out most of Mississippi. It's real simple. Plants can take cold weather if it comes on gradually and they slowly convert. Some of the juice inside converts to an antifreeze, but it's a slow process. It takes uh, a week of slowly cooling down. And if plants will take below zero can freeze at 20 degrees in Mississippi because it happens so suddenly. So that's a problem. You know, it's not that the plants weren't hardy. It's not the wrong zone. You're not a bad gardener. It's just that sudden went from, from really, really warm to extremely cold overnight. That's what zapped our plants. So don't feel bad about it. And uh, one of the tips I've been giving to Garden Club, I've been, I've been uh, getting uh, emails from Garden Clubs about what they should be doing. Uh, and all the, the, uh, the tips I give, I have what I call an emotional, mental, social health hint. Um, we all have these problems. Nobody is judging us on whether we prune earlier weight. If you want to neaten stuff up, go for it. If you choose to wait, horticulture is on your side. All the garden experts, me and Gary Bachman, all of us are saying the same thing. Hold your heads up, add a really nice wreath to the door, put a pot full of pansies and violas and, and stuff because Garden Center got these plants. Put a pot full of, of winter flowers out and just enjoy what you can. But if you haven't done any hard pruning yet, it's best to wait. It really is. I know it looks bad. Uh, my garden looks terrible. I've, I, there's some plants that I know I've lost. My rosemary may be toast. Uh, I'm pretty sure that my confederate or my star jasmine has had its bark burst down close to the ground. You know, so that's just part of it. If you can wait, it's better for the plants because when we get cold weather, cold weather on bare stubs causes more damage. So if at all possible, just hold your head up, wait till spring, at least wait till next month. But, and, and I'm not talking about normal stuff like pruning roses, which you, we always do that uh, in February. Prune stuff that normal. In other words, just do normal garden stuff, roses or whatever they get pruned in the winter, ornamental grasses. Fine, but on big shrubs that drop their leaves or the leaves are brown, if you can wait, let's wait. You can prune them easily into the spring and even early summer, so just wait. Uh, meanwhile, let's let's slide to, let's do what we're here for, and let's talk about gardening. We're going to start out in Jackson. Uh-oh, Lizzie. Lizzie hung up. Java, what's up with that? Yeah, I, I saw her when she got connected, Lizzie and Jackson. <laughs> Lizzie and Jackson, if you can, please call back. But, uh, yeah, she's she's no longer there. But I did know she wanted to talk about freezing plants. You know, this weather has uh, got everybody thinking about the freezing plants, especially for, uh, what you say, tonight is supposed to get down to 27? Yeah, 27 ain't squat. I mean, I hate to say that, but the plants that get damaged by 27 got damaged before we had the freeze. I mean, things <laughs> like, like, you know, cannas and bananas and elephant ears, those things always die down as soon as it hits you know, the, the, the lower 30s. They always do that anyway. Uh, the, the things we really need to worry about are the plants that, that are borderline that can't take down to the teens. But uh, uh, upper 20s, that ain't squat. It really not. If you got tender plants you set back out, you know, you put some, brought some plants in before the freeze and put them back out, I want to drag those back in. But uh, normal winter plants, pansies and violas and 
daffodils and uh, all those kind of things, they can take the 20th, no problem at all, as long as it's dry. The only thing I would suggest, Java, is if you've got some plants that didn't get seriously damaged last month in that hard, sudden freeze, if, you, if you've got some plants that, that made it and they're, they're looking okay, be worried about them, go ahead and water them. You know, a plant that's watered has less likelihood to get some kind of damage than plants that are dry. But uh, no sense in covering plants up in the, in the upper 20s. Uh, if the plants can't take upper 20s, they shouldn't be outside in the wintertime. That's just sort of a, a garden given. Uh, but things like daffodils, I've got daffodils that have been blooming in Mississippi since the 1930s. They've been through the freeze of 52. They went through the freeze of 63. They've been through all these hard freezes, and they're doing fine. So don't worry about stuff in the upper 20s. Uh, let's go up to Mabin, uh, which is you know, just north of Highway 82. I, I, I'm going to call you the northern third of the state. Ruth, how you doing? Uh, I've been bringing my houseplants in during the warm times and then taking the, I mean, in during the cold and then taking, like, they've been out for two weeks now because it was warm. Then I brought them in now because of the cold tonight. I'm wondering if I'm doing them more damage and should I just leave them in all the time? Well, you know, it's a, it's a real good question, uh, Ruth, and this is something I deal with because I have a, a, I used to have a lot of potted plants. Now I only have the kind of plants that don't need a bunch of care. But on one hand, uh, they have to be protected from freeze, of course, and they do fine outside as long as it's above 45 or 50. You know, 50 degrees and above is fine for plants. So on the other hand, if you bring them in, it's not just the warmth but the low humidity that causes those leaves to suffer and to shed and turn brown and all. So uh, taking them in and out, as long as it's, you're bringing them in for just a few days and putting them back out, that's fine. But I wouldn't bring them in for three or four weeks and then put them out for three or four. And then, in other words, uh, if you want to bring them in just temporarily, as long as it's above 50 outside, they'll do fine. Otherwise, uh, bring them in, just let them get used to it, and send them back out in the spring. Okay. So, in other words, I just bring them in on cold nights, but not to bring them in for long periods of time and then out for long periods of time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it, right. It, see, see, what happens is leaves on tropical plants, they form a certain way, whatever the environment is, whether it's a greenhouse or jungle or your house or your yard, when when plants on tropical plants, when the leaves form, they get used to whatever conditions they are then. If you bring them inside or if you put them back outside a bit all, all winter, those leaves can't adapt to the new conditions and they shed. Uh, meanwhile, the plant puts on new leaves for the new conditions. So as long as it's just a temporary thing, it's not a problem. But, you know, in and out, in and out confuses the leaves because they, you know, they they can't just they, you know, they can't just shake it off. So uh, the the main okay. thing is if you need if you need to, you know, you might want to take some of your bigger plants. If you've got a hibiscus or a rubber tree or a weeping fig, you know, you can prune those back, and the new growth will come back back fine and get used to that condition. But main thing when you bring them in, try to cluster them together uh, so that they sort of create a mini jungle that makes it like a little micro humid climate. And uh, hold a candle by them. And if when your heater comes on or when your when your, your heating system comes on, if the candle blows a lot, that means there's a, a, a real dry draft there. You know, put some put a uh, some kind of uh, something to deflect the, the, the heater from blowing directly on these plants. That'll help a lot. It's more the low humidity than anything that hurts these plants from being in too long. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. That answers my question. Have a nice okay, time. Okay. Good luck. Bye-bye. Good luck on it. Thank you, Ruth. All righty. Yeah, this is uh, over the years. I've gone from having 
dozens and dozens of potted plants to just, uh, I guess I got a, probably a couple dozen. I have maybe three dozen. And most of them are really hardy, succulent-type things, sansevieras, uh, cacti, yuccas, agaves, uh, mother-in-law tongue, you know, those kind of plants that really don't mind low humidity um, and don't need to be watered a lot. I have a lot of plants can go easily three months over the winter with no water at all. You know, mother-in-law tongue, it's a desert plant. So that's one of the ways I deal with it. If I had African violets, they'd be toast. So if you've got tender plants, you need to try to keep a, a humidity as high as possible, or at least put them out of the heater draft. Horticulture spell to rushing. I see where Lisa Marie Presley died. Bless her heart. You've been reading. Has that been making big news, Java? Uh, yeah, I, I think it happened last night. And what was so um, um, sudden about Lisa Marie Presley passing away and her father's uh, Elvis Presley birthday was just this past Sunday. Um, she was at the Golden Globes, which was yeah, on the t- day before. Yeah, which was on Tuesday. So it's just yeah. it's, it's really all of a sudden. But, yeah, she passed away. I think it was a cardiac arrest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one of my favorite scenes, uh, you know, she was an actress, but one of my favorite cheesy uh, kind of a comic movie is called Mars Attack. I don't know if you ever saw Mars Attack. Yeah, and I had, saw that movie. It, well, she she was that, that alien robot that seduced that guy in the in the White House. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know, I have to go, yeah. Who Who would know? Anyway, you, you what, what's what's going on with you, man? Yeah, I got a question. Um, actually, it was somebody who called in. They couldn't they couldn't hold on, but they had a question about milkweed, and they wanted to know where they could find some milkweed in South Mississippi. I guess maybe well, around the coast area. They were looking for some milkweed. Uh, that's a good question, and uh, and it's got kind of a two pronged answer. First of all, not many, not regular garden centers. The only milkweed that they sell is called tropical milkweed. And native plant people just don't like it at all, partly because it's not native, but partly because it's so much prettier than our native milkweeds. It's hard to find. And we've got a whole bunch of different kinds, including a milkweed vine, uh, that are just considered, you know, they're wildflowers, but they don't bloom very long. So garden centers don't sell them. They don't look good in pots. They don't bloom long. Uh, but if, if you wanted to get in touch with uh, the, the Mississippi Native Plant Society, uh, they'll have some some members who may be growing it at little small nurseries. So you know, send me an email about that. But in the short run, there's this plant that most garden centers sell. It's called tropical milkweed. A lot of people say you shouldn't plant it because it causes a certain kind of disease. Well, that's really not that true in Mississippi. Uh, if it freezes to the ground, the, the butterflies keep going. It's not a big deal. It's the longest blooming milkweed. It's a pretty garden plant, and the monarchs just love it. So it's normally not a problem in Mississippi, uh, and, uh, and it's a showy, showy garden plant. But otherwise, it'll have to be some kind of specialty nursery that sells some of the, the less showy but, but really cool native milkweeds. So not a real good answer, but uh, I, I, I can probably find some small uh, mom-and-pop native plant nurseries that may sell some of them so anyway uh i hope that that it, it's a good question but i don't know i will say this here's some good news they talk about monarchs being in decline in mexico is true but what's really weird is they reproduce so well there's actually were more monarchs in north america this past summer than ever before you know once they make it back from their their wintering grounds they reproduce rapidly so it's not as big a problem. It's just that where they overwinter in Mexico, 
parts of South Florida, parts of, of uh, California, that habitat, uh, not as many making it back there. But anyway, monarchs are a good symbol of, of what we do with the native, but there's all sorts of other butterflies that also need help. So plant different kinds of stuff. And if you want to, to help the monarchs a little bit, if you can't find the native milkweed, plant the tropical milkweed. Don't worry about all the, the naysayers out there. I know what they're saying, and uh, it's really a borderline hysteria for Mississippi. That's my opinion. Anyway, let's slide down to Mobile and talk to Mikey. Mikey, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm uh, glad you're talking about milkweed, and I want to ask you some stuff about succulents also. Um, uh, milkweed, I have this little patch that grows uh, uh, right outside the fence of my front yard, but I live on a curve. So this helps to slow down the people who would, like, try to run over your pets and your children as they're, yeah, there ignoring, you, there the, the, as they're ignoring the speeding sign, you know, that's there you go. right there. And it's, it's raised a lot of monarchs, so this is good news for me, you know, that um, – uh, yeah. Because I, you know, I let I just let it grow, and I my neighbors have gotten accustomed to me, so they they go, "That's eh, Mikey," you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, but uh, my question about regarding succulents is: this is the first year. Every other year, it, but we had it for a long time. We had like three days. We had a hard freeze. We almost never yeah. have a hard freeze. Yeah, and we had. Three days, three days. My, the, and I was looking at them yesterday as I went out to get the mail. That, um, okay, I had the little green one, which I think will come back. I don't even know the name of it, but it's a little, you know, eh, no, you don't know, um, fringy looking sort of a green thing. And I'm just hoping that it will come back. But the one that I'm most concerned about is the one that's called, some people call it the gray ghost. Some people call it the hen and chickens. So, right. you know, you know what I'm talking about, you know. Yeah, I do. Um, I do. It's. The Latin name is Graptopetalum. A lot of people are hens and chicks, but the problem is up north, there's a different kind of plant up north they call hen and chicks. But anyway, the one that most common called hen and chicks or uh, a ghost plant, uh, Graptopetalum, it's hardy uh, outdoors, even up in the Memphis. And a lot, and I've seen it, so, so, you know, it may get damaged a little bit, but it's really, really cold hardy outside. Well, I'll just leave it hanging then, and, and uh, should I cover it, though? I mean, if, if we have another threat like that one? No, that, you know, if, if that freeze didn't get it, ain't nothing going to get it. Okay. And uh, um, and it looks like the uh, the Chinese, the platycodon, the Chinese medicine plant, it's 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 pretty beat up. It, it looks pretty melted, but so do all the, you know, the airplane plants and stuff like that. I know they'll come back, and I believe well, the they, Chinese medicine they, plant will. Well, they might on the coast. Further north, they might not. Like I say, the only way we can tell for sure is to wait and see. And and this is what I'm saying, Gary Botman's saying, Carol Reese is saying, all of us who've been dealing with this for so long professionally, in our own gardens, we're just cleaning up the obviously mushy stuff. And the rest of it, we just have to wait and see. And that's, that's all I can do in my own garden, just wait and see. And uh, I grow... Probably, I grow probably more different kinds of succulents than anything. I have a, uh, a I'm sort of a pr- proud of my collection of cold hardy uh, succulents, but I'm expecting some of them have got hidden this year because cold hardy doesn't deal doesn't take into consideration that sudden cold. So I'm expecting to have lost some of my normally cold hardy succulents even in central Mississippi. I felt her that my nanny, who's the one of the primary people that taught me to garden. <laughs> that was her thing when she said, well, we'll see, honey. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Anyway, right. good luck Thank on you. Good luck on it. Okay, Mikey. 
All righty, let's slide up to Pearl, Mississippi. Alan, how you doing, man? Hey, Mr. Taylor. Yes, sir. Um, this, is, this is Alan in Pearl. Um, as you well know, we've had that hard freeze, and I've got some wax, correct me if I'm wrong, pivots that I've had Pivot. for over 30, 30 years. Yeah. And some golden unanimous, and they, I mean, they look totally dead. Yeah. And yeah. do I just do I just wait and see how they do, or do later on do I start trimming them back? Maybe. Well, maybe... here's a, okay. For, 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 first of all, wax ligustrum. Uh, it's called wax ligustrum. Ligustrum and privet are the same thing. And you are, it's a cold hardy well up into Tennessee. You know, they can, even St. Louis, they're, they're cold hardy. But this summer right. cold, what it did was it burnt, you know, it, it, it froze the, 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 the ice crystals. The sap in plants can make sort of an antifreeze, but it takes a little time. And if it doesn't have right. time, it turns to ice and it busts the cells open. That happened to leaves quicker than it did the twigs. A lot of plants have just dropped all the leaves, even the green leaves. Some of them just yeah. turned around and stuck on there. And that's happened to everybody, for, even down on the coast. The only way to, to, to make sure, other than the waiting and seeing, if you'll scratch the bark of the of the, the twigs and the stems, right. if, it's bright, if it's bright green right under the bark, that part's alive. And if you want to prune right. it back to there, you can. If you want to wait, it's actually better to wait a little bit till after we, till, till you know, at least the latter part of the winter. Um, but then there's one other thing that can cause problems, uh, Alan, and this is something uh, I was raised in a nursery up in the Delta, and we saw this a lot on azaleas, pittosporum, right. sometimes ligustrum, is if the lower trunk, if the sap right on the bark and the lower trunk freezes, it can bust the bark open and sometimes split the stem, the skin, crack the stems open, and it's real right. obvious. It, it may not, it may not be showing up yet. It may be another few weeks before it shows up. But if the bark has has, has split open and it splits in the trunk, then even if the plants leaf out this spring, they're likely to die later because they've had their throats cut down near the ground. Only thing you can do there is if the bark is, is, is split open is to cut the plants all below there, which seems drastic, but they'll put out new growth before you can get back to the house, and it can right. save their lives. There's a whole lot of If the bark splits down near the ground, that's a really, really bad sign. Only way to save the plants is cut them off below there. That's kind of a bottom-line thing. Right. Yeah, I had one last year to do that. and um, Yeah. So what your suggestion is kind of a wait-and-see and – yeah, it, it doesn't hurt anything. Yeah, if you want to scratch on the bark, just go out, you know, for, to ease your mind. You know, if it's bright green, <clears> the bark is fine. If the lower trunk hadn't been split, the plants will be fine. And then if you want to prune them back to neaten them up or to thicken them up, you can do that even after they put out their, their growth in the spring. You don't have to prune things at a certain time. You can prune plants almost to the ground even in June, and they'll sprout out new growth. So, you know, if you want to just right. wait and see, that, that's what I'd recommend. Yeah, one other question. You had mentioned to me here a while back on the radio about my crepe myrtles, you know, about them dropping their leaves and all. And you said it may, it's simple, it's maybe just a good fertilize. What was that grass fertilize that you told me that would be good? It's, it's um, well, just I mean, a if simple... You, if, 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 you're, if, if you've got grass out there, your trees and your grass, if you just fertilize your lawn, that's more than enough for the trees, too. This is based on on hard research. So just fertilizing the grass every two or three or four years is usually plenty for the trees and shrubs that have root in the area. 
So if you right. got St. Augustine right. or Centipede, I'd, I'd go to a garden center and get the stuff they call centipede food. For centipede and St. Yeah. Augustine, that's all the grasses need. And it's, I mean, it's got the winter, it's got everything. Uh, so right. centipede food is good for that. And it'll help you trees and shrubs too. And what would be a good month to start that off? Uh, I, 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 would, I, I would never fertilize a lawn before it's been mowed a time or two in the spring. So we're looking at April. And I'm sticking with that because that's what's in the extension publications. That's what they taught me in turf science. And I can give all sorts of reasons. Bottom line is wait till April or at least when the new growth has been mowed a time or two because that new growth jump starts a new root system. And right. if you fertilize okay. before then, it could throw it into green growth without the, the grass growing some really good roots. So it'd be better to, right. to wait till April. Okay. Well, once again, Taylor, thank y'all. And, uh, and hunker um, down, man. It's, it's gonna get cold tonight, man. Hunker down again. All righty. All right. Thank y'all. Bye bye. Appreciate that, Alan. See ya. Uh, no kidoki, folks. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and I've got a couple of uh, event announcements to make. But let's see first if we still got Madeline holding on from Tupelo. Madeline, you still with us? I'm still here. Howdy. Thank you so much for holding on. What's going on, lady? Yeah. Two. Well, same question for over 10 years. One is a dragon plant, and the other one's a mass cane, and they're healthy, but I've noticed one pot starting to crack, and I don't know if it's a, a pruning that needs to happen or repotting or both to just help them continue to stay healthy. Okay, okay. First of all, for some reason, a part of that got that that uh, cut out. I heard that some of the pots are cracking, but what were the two plants again? A mass cane. Yeah. And a dragon tree. Okay, these are both indoor plants, then, <laughs> right? Correct. Yeah, and they, yeah. yes, and they're happy where they're at. They've just gotten really big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, most of these plants, you know, some plants cannot be pruned back. A lot can. Uh, I've got a rubber tree named Big Jim that I've had since 1974. To give you an idea, that's a that's a, almost half a century I've had this plant. And it, it, it and a big weeping fig I've got and a couple of other plants. Uh, every few years, I just cut them way back and start them all over again. And then I root some of the parts I cut off. And, you know, you can do that with, with, with your plants when they get big. Because in the tropics, these things get big. I mean, I've seen school buses park under Chefleras, you know, and Norfolk Island pines that are 80 feet tall. So, you know, sooner or later, they're going to outgrow. They, they want to keep growing. So all you can do really is just prune them either entirely or some stems at a time back uh, every few years. Wherever you make the cut, the new growth comes out right there. Um it also helps if you can't put it in the next bigger size pot to every few years pull it out, loosen up the old potting soil, and put some fresh potting soil around it because potting soil breaks down. It decomposes. It, it doesn't last a long time. So every few years, pull them out, repot them. If you need to cut some parts back, just cut them back and then uh, consider rooting some of the stuff you cut off. This is kind of routine with, with big tropical plants kept indoors. Does that help? It did. That sounds like a great plan. It does. It's, it'll half break your heart. I'll give you one other example. You know what a Chef Lara is, right? Big Chef Lara. Well, when I started with the Extension Service in 1980, I walked into my office in Hines County. They had these two huge old Chef Lara's in, their, in their, their, their front foyer. And one of the first things I did is I cut them back to just bare stems. And the secretary and the county agent, they just were horrified. Twenty years later, when I left that office, I cut them back again. 
I, you know, just whack them back to just brown wood, and it's shocking, but it does hurt the plants at all, really. It's just, just like on an overgrown shrub outdoors. So I hope that helps. All right, uh, yeah, I think we're having a bad connection with uh, with Madeline Tupelo. Ho- hopefully, that helped you out uh, uh, this morning, Madeline. Yeah, yeah. Could you hear that cutting out too, or is it just me? No, I could hear it. Um, I, you know, we got a part parts of the question, but I think I think you helped out. And it's always funny yeah. when you talk about cutting cutting back, or you know, um, taking plants back down to the stub, and just like the story you just told, they were like, "What are you doing?" But it's, yeah, you know, you know it's to the benefit. Some people say you shouldn't prune crepe myrtles because it's bad for them. I've seen them prune with drunk drivers and pickup trucks. They sprout back out. So plants are a lot tougher than than you can imagine. So anyway, if uh, if we get another call, uh, Java, and if it cuts out, you know, just tell, tell me what the question was. That'll that'll help a lot. Okay, no um, problem. But we do have another caller. Um, if you're ready, we have uh, Marcy yeah. in uh, in Ocean Springs on the line. All right, all right. Hey, Marcy. Good morning. Good morning. I don't know. Is it morning there? In London? Uh, I mean, in uh, no, uh, I, Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I'm up in northern England, closer to Scotland than I am to, to London. But uh, no, it's middle of the afternoon. It's uh, a quarter to four. As soon as we get off the air, I head to the pub. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to help out your um, listener uh, on the coast who's interested in uh, where to find milkweed. And yeah. I, I know exactly, but I, I don't think I can say the names of the nurseries where I go. Well, if they've got regular, you know, if, if, if you know, if they're on the coast, so go ahead. Okay. Well, um, in Gulfport on Lorraine Cowan Road, when you're heading south, if you make okay, the exit off the yeah, interstate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't give too many details because people can't remember that. But Gulfport <laughs> and what's the name of the nurse? Okay. They can find yeah. it. Gulfport, Lorraine Cowan Road. It's a small garden shop called the Island Garden Shop, and you wouldn't even okay. know it's there unless somebody told you. But anyway, okay, the, she always the has milkweed. Always. Okay, the the Island Garden Shop in uh, Gulfport. What else you got? Yes, uh, Long Beach, Beatline Road Nursery. Okay, and uh, uh, these so are small, these are incremental, are, like, sir. Yeah, they're 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 local. They're small garden centers where the the people order what they want to sell instead of what they think people would just buy. Exactly, and so the yeah. one in Long Beach is is bigger than the one in Gulfport. She in August always has like sixty percent off. Last time I was there, she had seventy five percent off yeah. on a Sweet Bay Magnolia that was big. I mean, you yeah, can find but, deals. So, so then but, but, the other but, one is in Pascoe's Jan, and it's called Pine Hills Nursery, and that's the biggest okay. one of all. And and they they carry some of the native milkweeds. Oh yeah, she has good everything. Good, good, good. I know they also have native milkweeds for sale at the plant sales at Crosby Arboretum, which is uh, just outside Poplarville. But, you know, it's just hard because the bigger garden centers tend to buy stuff in bulk that they think, you know, so they buy from the bigger producers, which don't often produce, you know, it takes, a, like I said earlier, a small, kind of a small mom and pop type place that loves what they sell to take care of these plants that aren't that pretty in pots. So that's a, I really appreciate the tips on that. Thank you so much. Welcome. All righty. See, and that's it. A lot of people don't realize there's a, there's different tiers of, of of garden centers. There's the big, you know, the the big box stores. There's the local mom and pop things, and then there's the specialty uh, things run by you know people who have a, a passion. There's some uh, uh, nurseries that specialize in just native plants. But they're usually off the main road. They're not mainstream, and it's hard to hard to find out about them. 
So uh, anyway, I'd be glad to share this kind of stuff any way we can. We'd like to mention uh, – I mentioned uh, Crosby Arboretum earlier. They're having a couple of things this weekend, this Saturday, uh, January the 14th. Uh, in the morning, they've got a, uh, a family workshop, Pine Cone Bird Feeders. Uh, this is for children. And, uh, well, really anybody who wants to uh, to take pine cones and fill it with peanut butter and all sorts of – or bird butter. It's got seeds and all sorts of stuff mixed in with it. Uh, that's going to be Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, at Crosby Arboretum, which is right outside Picayune. And then that afternoon, they're having a native plant winter field walk. Patty Drackett, who is the uh, the, the director there, she's going to walk through those, those really world-renowned native plant grounds and uh, talk about native plants with winter interest and how you can work them into your own landscape. So if you're interested in that, just go to Crosby, just Google Crosby Arboretum, Yahoo, whatever you want to do. Do Crosby Arboretum, and it'll take you to their website, and then click on activities or events or whatever that kind of says. And um, if you know of any kind of events that are going on that uh, gardeners will be interested in, let me know about it. I'd be glad to promote it. The next thing I've got coming up is uh, in a month I'm going to be doing my annual free home fruit workshop. It's going to be at a garden center in Jackson called Hutto's. I've been doing this for years and years as a public service, all about the kind of plants that not only look good in the landscape and grow well in regular landscapes, but part of the year produce something you can eat without a whole bunch of trouble and effort and the varieties of each one that do best and how you can grow them without having to do a lot of spraying and stuff like that. So if you'd like uh, some information about that, if you want my little free publication is an online brochure that I put together called um, Fruits from Mississippi Landscapes. It's a free thing. I've got a few pictures, little how-to, and lists of the kind of plants and the varieties, which is important in Mississippi. Uh, shoot me an email. You do that by going to, to my blog, blog, and it has a little thing that says email me. So you want my little fruit brochure or the one on hardy daffodils or easy to grow roses or, or uh, kids gardening activity, any of that kind of stuff, send me an email. Go to felderrushing.blog, and I'll shoot something right back to you. Now, Felder, well, where, does, um, where does where does Hutto's land on your on your tier system when it comes to garden centers? Because they, they're not a small operation, but they are, um, I, I guess, not a big box store either. Like they, oh, no, you know. no, no. No, it's strictly, I mean, it's a, it's a third-generation family. It used to be the Hines County Co-op. And uh, and the reason I got such a big store because that's where farmers shopped, and uh, you know back before we had coach, you know before we had tractor supply and all that stuff. Uh, but it's strictly family, the third generation Huttos, um, and a lot of the flowers and stuff that they you know they don't have a huge assortment of landscape shrubs, but they're probably the best in the state for fruit plants. They sort of specialize in good quality fruit plants, and all the flowers that they grow, they grow themselves. Which is kind of neat. So, uh, and this, if you're not familiar with it, folks, is right off of Interstate 20 in Jackson on Ellis Avenue. And I always give a, it's usually a hundred people or so at these free fruit seminars I give there. And it's just a public service, trying to help people get the most out of their gardens. You know, you go to a regular box store, you don't know if what they're selling will even grow in Mississippi, much less if it's the right variety or if it needs pollination or anything like that. So I really like working with independent family-owned places like that. So um, anyway, there's um, a whole lot of things going on right now in people's gardens that I want to touch on, but let's slide up to Tupelo and talk to Bill first. Bill, how you doing? Hey, I'm good, Felder. How you doing? Fine. What's going on? 
All right, so I got my hibiscus. I've talked to you about them before. And by the way, the elephant ears you gave me a while back in New Albany, they're they're the biggest ones in my flower bed. But uh, yeah, they're, I got three. they're not there right now though. They they froze out of the ground last uh, month, didn't they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I got three back. hibiscus. Yeah, I got Don Juan, Marisol, and Iz, right? Izzy. And uh, uh-huh. they started blooming about September, and I kind of felt bad. You know, I didn't get to see blooms till September, so I put them in the bay window, and they're still putting out and taking off. They haven't went dormant yeah. yet. Yeah. So what happens but, if I just keep them there? Uh, what happens when I put them out in the in the summertime, or do I just need to keep them there if they're doing good? Better outside. You know, these plants, uh, you know, they grow out in the full sun, you know, down along the coast. You go down to Florida, they're everywhere. Uh, California, frost-free places, they grow best outside because they like real sunshine and they like real humidity. But now here's the deal. The leaves that they're putting on right now in your in your home are used to those conditions. When you put them back out, they're going to turn bad just like get, people get sunburned. You know, you got to ease things in. Well, w- what you do is you prune them to bring them in, and then when you set them out in the spring – Prune them back then, and they'll, you know, you don't have to prune them all at once. Prune one of them, or you can prune them before you set them out. But, but cut them so that they'll put out new growth that's used to the new conditions outside in the spring. Uh, and uh, you can, you can do turning, all. They're not turning. I'm sorry. No, no, I, I know, but this, I mean, this, this is this is kind of normal. I've been working with hibiscus for half a century or more, and typically they drop their leaves when you first bring them in. Typically, the the, the leaves get sunburned or something when you put them back out. The easiest thing to do is just cut at least some of the stems back. If you cut some of them back and see what happens, I bet you end up doing all of them next time. Okay, they're beautiful. <laughs> they're still putting out in the kitchen, so you know, yeah, the bay well, window, they, I don't. They, well, see, they're, they're tropical plants. You know, they, they want to bloom all year in the tropics, never slow down. They don't know what winter is. I'm just saying that the, the change in light and change in humidity, the, the leaves, older leaves can't adjust, and they typically are less efficient and they end up shedding. So anyway, c- cut some of the stems back. So that way you still okay. have some blooming to set it out. When they get through blooming, the new stuff comes on, you know, you can cut the other ones back later. Yeah, you, can do it. Okay. you don't have to all do it all at once. All right. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, Bill. Stay warm, man. Yep. All righty, folks. I uh, would like to mention this. I know it's going to be cold this weekend, but right now there's a little plant growing out in a lot of your lawns that's going to not just give you fits next spring. It's going to give me and Java fits next spring because you're all going to be calling about it, what to do, and in the spring it's too late. These are called stickers or sandburrs. Sticker plants look like little tiny, ferny, like little low-growing parsley plants. And if you've had stickers in the past, you go out in your lawn now and look out there, little tiny, dark, rich, pretty green parsley-looking things, those are sticker plants. And they're actively growing. Every time we get a nice burst of warm weather like we did yesterday, they grow really well. Once they start to flower, tiny little white flowers, and once you start making those seeds with the stickers, weed killers don't work. So if you have problems with stickers last March or April or May, now is the time to control them. Either that or get you some flip-flops because they're going to be a problem. Waiting to kill stickers is a mistake. If you want to treat them, get any kind of liquid insecticide, and uh, excuse me, weed killer, that's labeled for dandelions, and clover. What will kill dandelions and clovers will kill stickers. You need to put it out on a nice warm day, sometime this month or early February, and if you can, repeat the spray in a week. 
That's what it takes to kill the little young plants before they get big enough to make the stickers when they're harder to kill. So if you've had stickers in the past, the next three or four weeks is the best time to control them. Anything for dandelions and clover. Otherwise, get you some flip-flops, raise your lawnmower up, fertilize your grass in April, thicken your grass up because stickers are a symptom of a thin week long. If you got stickers, they're telling me you've got a crappy yard. So do whatever it takes to get the yard nice and thick and healthy, and you simply won't have the problems with the stickers. If you have problems with stickers, flip-flops or spray over the next three or four weeks. Job, am I coming? Am I being kind of a bully on this? Not so much. I was waiting for you to 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 bring the flip flops in in the place, but I did like what you said about get your yard in order first, and then we can talk about the stickers. So, like, you yeah, have to do yeah. some things first. <laughs> yeah, you know the stickers and stuff. I tell you another thing: we get I, I get a lot of calls, a lot of emails about are these things called lichens? They're little scaly, gray, furry, fuzzy, flat things that are growing on limbs of older trees and shrubs. Lichens grow on tombstones and rocks and iron bridge railings. When you see them heavy on a plant, they're the, they're not hurting the plant, but they're almost always associated with plants that are doing poorly. They need to be pruned or fertilized. They're the symptom, not the cause. Doesn't hurt at all. I love them. I think they're actually kind of kind of cool plants. A combination of a fungus and an algae. Um, but if you have a lot of those crusted on your plants, you don't have to worry about them. Get your plant back in good shape. Get your lawn in good shape. You won't have many stickers. Get your trees and shrubs in, in a little fertilizer, a little pruning, and you won't have so many problems with the lichens. So that's just sort of a proactive thing. So um, in this time of year, people just don't think about it. We're not thinking about stickers because they're not a problem right now. But I'm thinking about them because I guarantee you we're going to get calls in uh, late March, April, and May about stickers. And the garden centers will be glad to sell you stuff. But first of all, it won't work as well then. Second of all, what will kill stickers will often kill St. Augustine or centipede if it's greening up in the spring. See, so there's a whole bunch of reasons to do a take a proactive approach. Um, I, th- I had a, a friend stop by my garden the other day to take a look around, tell me what's gone. My Asiatic, I mean my uh, yeah, my Asiatic jasmine looks terrible. My monkey grass looks terrible. My pansies, my snapdragons, my oval, they look terrible. Some of my early paper white daffodils flopped over, burned. Uh, my Confederate jasmine vine, the pride of my front yard, the bark is all split, the leaves are brown and shit. It's a terrible thing. I feel bad about it. But then again, my neighbors look like that too. So nobody really judging me on this. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to wait. going to clean up the nasty stuff as soon as I can. going to wait till spring. going to check the lower bar, make sure it hasn't uh, burst open, which on azaleas, pittosporum, Japanese maples, this can be a problem. Um, but we got plenty of time to talk about it. Don't feel like you're under any pressure to go out and do stuff right now because you're not. You're just not. So, Java, what you going to do with your kids this weekend? Oh, man, I'm actually, um, uh, I don't know. I'm a single father for the weekend. Um, <laughs> Crystal is out of town, and, hey, it's just going to be dad and the, dad and the babies. We're going to have some fun. I know that. <laughs> yeah, you know, have you ever taken them to the Children's Museum over at Lafleur's Bluff by the Native, by the Natural Science Museum? Oh, man, that is one of uh, Java's favorite, favorite places to go, man. We've been over there several times. 
It's a it's a cool place. They've got a, also the Natural Science Museum, which is you know just further down. They've got a really good walking trail back to the back. It's not the best time of year to take kids because they're kind of bored of stuff. But the nice part about this time of year, as long as it's cold, you don't have to worry about snakes. But I will say this: when it warms up, that's when all these critters come out. So if your kids are not, you know, if they're sort of skittish about wild stuff. If you want to take them for a walk in the woods, this is the time of year to do it. Not, well, the wild, many... the wild stuff has to be um, uh, scared of my kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, we've got all sorts of stuff we can do, folks. There's a lot of stuff you really shouldn't do. There's a lot of stuff you're not worried about. Shoot me an email. Go to felderrushing.blog. Got a little thing to email me. And uh, if you want my publication on good daffodils, the children's activity, Java, shoot me an email, man. I got this whole thing with a list of easy projects that kids can do using stuff laying around the house. Easy stuff. Um, meanwhile, I was got to hunker down this week. It's not going to be as cold enough as it was last month. I wouldn't worry about my plants. But if you get a chance, go to a garden center. Uh, you know, they've got pansies and violas. That'll take the normal winter weather. Plant you something out there that'll give you a little good cheer over the next few weeks. Spring is on its way, but right now we're living for the day in our garden. Take a kid to a garden center and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.